We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hey, this is Wiggins America. This is hour two of the show. We are doing a bit of a look back at the best of the year, which means that you're getting the best show that we've done all year because this is the... The stuff that's been boiled down to the best. So what's coming up next is actually a little bit over a year ago. I admit it's supposed to be a year in review, early December, but um, this is a little bit over a year ago. This is when Norm MacDonald died, and I had a friend of mine. I wouldn't say she's like a best friend, but we're friends. Uh, Victoria Jackson from Saturday Night Live. She's been in some of the things that I used to do when I was doing TV, and she's conservative, and we just kind of connected and maintained a, at least a, a dialogue about that. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of unicorns. There's not a whole lot of conservatives in the film world, although actually a lot more than you'd expect. They just <laughs> they keep their head low. Um, she doesn't. That's one of the things I always liked about her. She's just loud and <laughs> loud and <laughs> obnoxious about it. Um, so when Norm MacDonald died, I said, hey, you want to talk about Norm a little bit? And so that's coming up next. I thought that was a really cool interview because it's just like some behind-the-scenes stuff about him and her uh, that you may never have heard and would never hear anywhere else. Then after that, an interview with the former vice president of communications at CBS. Speaking of conservatives in media, I mean, this guy is not a conservative. What's so interesting about him, though, is that he wrote a book about wokeism and how it's destroying media and really everything. (laughs) Um, And he's not a conservative, but there are a lot of people like him. And so that's coming up after Victoria Jackson, then we'll close out the show. But before we get going into those things, I just wanted to mention really quick. So I took a quick vacation last week, sort of the the Thanksgiving half holiday, you know, time there um, that I was able to fly down to Florida with my son who had a soccer tournament. It was a blast. Obviously, the weather was much better down there than it was up here. Although I understand that what we missed up here was actually not bad. It was right when we landed back is when the cold front came in. Um, So we missed the best part of the weather. But we were in 85-degree heat, so I can't complain about that. What was interesting, though, and I mentioned this earlier this week to one Heidi Harris. We were on the same show. We were on the Annie Fry show together. And now we're, of course, separate. She's on the weekends just like I am. She just so happens to be on from 7 to 9 on Sunday nights. How about that? Um, but I was talking to her about this, and I, I said there's something interesting I noted when I was on the plane. Planes have been the source of some of the worst consternation when it comes to COVID stuff, obviously, with the mask mandates and then the pilots of so many airlines, including Southwest, which which is the airline I used, 
um, rebelling against the the vax mandates and really starting the the snowball down the hill on the resistance to vax mandates. They really did begin that. They said, you're going to do this. We ain't going to do it. We ain't going to do the job if you're going to force the jab. And uh, they won. They ended up winning in court, not necessarily directly, but they started that whole movement. That's awesome. That's, that's freedom in action is people deciding to take a stand. Now, the mask mandates have been gone less than a year. Believe it or not, think back to just the beginning of this year. There were still mask mandates on planes. And the minute they went away, they all came off. Now, the guy sat next to me on the plane to Florida. So he's either from here or his connecting flight was uh, through here. I don't know which. He had a mask on. Now, he he was probably, I'd say, his mid-50s, maybe 60 years old, somewhere in that range. And he sat next to me. And I didn't look at him judgmentally or anything. I just sort of like, oh, glanced over, you know, because the guy sits next to you. He sits down, and, and after about 30 seconds, he just turns to me and goes, look, I don't want to be wearing this mask. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that's cool, man. <laughs> Good for you. And uh, he said, but my my son and my daughter are sitting up a couple seats. We weren't able to get seats together. And then we're going down to visit my pregnant daughter, and she's super paranoid about everything. And so we told her that we would do this for her. And I'm like, okay, man, you know, I didn't ask, but I I loved that he felt compelled to tell me that. Now we can get into, is there use in that or is it just psychological? Obviously, you know what my answer is to that question. But the fact that this time last year, if you weren't wearing a mask, you would have been kicked off the freaking plane. Now, nobody is wearing a mask, and the guy who sits next to me who is, is paranoid that people are judging him. Things have shifted, and I think the fact that we're doing a year in review, it's a good time to acknowledge that things have shifted in a good direction. Not that we've had super courageous Democrat politicians out there who've had a change of heart, but the American people have gotten over it. We have gotten over it, guys. Let's celebrate that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And I've been looking forward to this all week. On the phone with us, you know her from quite a few things, but probably the most prevalent thing that you would remember her from is Saturday Night Live, Victoria Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us. Ryan Wiggins! (laughs) Let's use that in the promo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, So it's been a while since you and I talked, and just a little history. You and I did a television pilot that... Uh, was so successful that nobody ever saw it. So it was <laughs> obviously. But uh, it was so good. It was. It was really funny, and I, and I I hope to someday resurrect that if we can get somebody to purchase it. Um, really funny show, but we'll see what happens. But it's been probably oh a year and a half since we've spoken, according to when I was texting you, looking back at at how long it had been. And uh, that coincides pretty much with COVID. So <laughs> how's the last 18 yeah. months been for you? How's, how's the COVID era? Uh, pretty interesting on many levels. Uh, you, hey, Ryan. Yes. I heard you wrote a, you wrote a novel. That's <laughs> so, so instead of talking about what you've been doing during COVID, you're going to let me just promote my book. I mean, that sounds great. Let's do that. Let's do it. Yeah, the life of human. I I appreciate that. I almost asked you for a recommendation, but I didn't want to bother you too much. So, have you guys have you guys been just completely shut down? I I know you're in Tennessee, so you're in more of a free state than we are. I I live in Illinois, but Missouri's been pretty good. Well, um, the first a year of it, it wasn't really affecting me too much because I'm retired. My kids are grown. I don't go to big rock concerts or anything. So wasn't really affecting me. I was in college getting my master's in film at Lipscomb in Nashville, and we just started having classes online on Zoom, which was great with me because I could just stay in my pajamas and get a degree. I didn't even have to drive, you know, 40 minutes in rush hour to go there or anything. Yeah, totally. So you actually enjoyed the first year. But So is Tennessee, you know, pretty open, though, now? Uh, Well... Well, the Nashville downtown's pretty liberal, but like in the suburbs, most of us are conservatives and Christians and patriots, and we don't wear masks and we don't panic and we trust God, and we we're fine. We, we're just like and we don't yeah. We, I didn't even hardly wear a mask ever. Like if someone asked me, well, in airports, but yeah. not around my town or my grocery store or anything. So that's kind of the way it is here in St. Louis, too. If you move, although if you move east into Illinois, the whole state is locked down. But if you move west, more, further into Missouri, it's just like what you're experiencing, which is, you know, there's there's less and less concern about it. And Missouri's already peaked with the numbers and it's on the way down. So I think there's probably less and less concern as we move forward here. But uh, as you know, uh, Norm McDonald, who was at least a colleague of yours, I don't know how close you guys were. How, how many years did you guys overlap on SNL was it just one year no we he was on after me I was 86 to 92 and then he might have been like 94 to something five years after that well I remember talking to you about you know some of those guys and his name came up as somebody who I I don't know how you knew him then just maybe just from running in the same circles that you you know you did know the guy at least on some level, and you told me a couple stories, if you if you recall yeah. any of them. 
No, I want to tell you, it's my, um, I knew him before he got on SNL. Oh. My story, yeah, I was supposed to host a Palm Springs, I don't remember what it was for, MTV something, in Palm Springs, California, and they were going to pay me, and I was the host, and whatever that is, and they gave me a bunch of tapes of stand-up comics, and they said, pick who you like the best. And I was like, oh, I get to pick the talent? That was cool. So I watched a couple of tapes of these stand-ups, and I didn't like any of them. But this one guy stood out, and it was him, Norm MacDonald. And I never heard of him. I never heard of him. He's from Canada. But he, like, popped out. He was, he was tall and skinny, and uh, he looked like Elvis. But his act was, like, deadpan and brilliant. And I was like, that's the guy. That is the winner. And so he performed at the show. I think I might have said to him, uh, he was smoking a cigarette, I think. And I said, uh, you know, I picked you. I discovered you. I picked you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you know. You know, and his, uh, you know, funny, lazy talk, it always sounded like he was either drunk or asleep. I, I thought it was so funny. He's like, has anyone ever told him that he sounds like he's asleep or drunk? But, um, uh, you know, supposedly he didn't drink, so I guess it was just, I sound drunk. When I hear myself on the radio, I go, I sound like I'm drunk. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, so um, long story short, we did the show. And then this is how I remember the timeline. I might be wrong. But then I saw him outside of the Laugh Factory one night. He said, he, I said, what are you doing out here? I, of course, I knew him from the show we did together. And he said he was waiting for his ride because he doesn't drive, which is very strange. He's very mysterious. I have no idea why he never drove a car. And I said, oh. And we were standing there. And then he said, um, I just I just told this story to Eric Metaxas. Do you know Eric Metaxas? I know of him. Yeah, radio host. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like I'm. I feel kind of stupid telling the same stories over and over. I just told him, but um, I only have about three Norm McDonald stories, and of course everyone wants to hear about him because he was fantastic, and and I'm so mad at him for for not telling us he had cancer because man, I would I would have loved to I don't know yeah. call him or something. I don't have his phone number, but anyway, so. My next story is we're in front of the Laugh Factory, and he says, um, how, um, do you – oh, by the way, Ryan, congratulations on your new radio show. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you, uh, you are perfect for radio. You have a very creative mind, and I'm glad we met. How did we meet anyway? Well, it was doing that pilot. It was doing that show that you and I thought was <laughs> terrific and nobody else did. <laughs> but you knew me before that. Well, I think that's how we started talking, though, because I think you and I were talking about doing a book for a while, which we'll have to continue to talk about. Now that I've done a book, I I'm really yeah. would like to talk to you about maybe doing a, you know, a Deep Thoughts, Jack Handy-style Victoria's Secrets, if uh -huh. you remember us talking about that in the past. But, yeah, um, I remember. But we'll, we'll resurrect okay. that. But what, let's hear this, this one story, and then i got a big question okay. for you. Go ahead. A big question. Okay. So uh, he said to me, why is your stomach so big? And I thought, whoa, that's pretty rude. I said, because uh, I had a baby like 20 years ago. And um, 
so we're standing there, and, uh, you know, a lot of comics think that's funny to be like that. But And it works for him most of the time. That one in- instance, I don't think it was funny. But, okay, so then he goes, how do I get on SNL? And I said, oh, uh, I don't know. I have no power there. I have no connections. I just left the show after six years. I said, I could hardly get a line on every week. Oh, I, I was struggling to get a line. And then um, I said, but I, I think Jim Downey is the head writer, and I I think he he should know about you, um, and you should be on SNL. So I, I think I called Jim Downey because I still have the phone number there. And then about a couple months later, the next year, I saw Norm MacDonald on SNL, and I was like, whoa, he got on there. So you may and be responsible have- for him actually getting on the show. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I had anything to do with it because everybody was discovering Norm. Yeah. You know, everybody was going, oh, that guy's great. Like, it wasn't just me. But anyway, well, um, so then, what? Well, before we move on, let me just clear this up. You had just voted for him at a, at a stand-up competition, and then he, you walked up to him and said, hey, I voted for you, and you won. That's great. And he said, oh, yeah, your stomach's big? No, no, no. The first time we met, separate stories. He was doing the show. Yes, yeah, separate okay. times. Okay. And um, separate, two separate times with a big chunk of years in between. Okay, but he, he this was still before <laughs> so, he was on the show, though. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I don't remember how long it was between our Palm Springs show and the laughing. I don't remember. I saw a blur. But anyway, um, so then he got on the show. And then um, I was really happy for him, and he was great on it. And then uh, um, the next time I saw him, he asked me to open for him doing stand-up comedy. We might have had the same agent. Maybe that's how we got put together. But he was he was the headliner, and I was opening for him at a couple of casinos and um, Las Vegas and... Um, I was in his dressing room one time, and he said, how come we never dated? Like, out of the blue, right? Last time I saw him, he said my stomach was fat. Now we're standing there, and he's like, how come we never dated? And I said, and I was like, ah, uh, I, I, I knew I had to think fast because, like, we never had long conversations, you know? And um, he would, and I think he would had been gambling all night, right? And he came to the green room right before he was going on stage, which was hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I because the only thing I've ever gambled was a quarter, and I lost, so it had no appeal for me. <laughs> um, so, I, but he's really good in math, so see, he can actually win stuff. Yeah, and I'm terrible in math. He seemed like yeah. a really, really smart, and you said it too that he seemed like a really mysterious guy. Because I think the the thing I remember, and I don't know when we were talking about this, you and I, but I asked something about him in particular because I had just read his book because he's got a biography, an autobiography that is it's called based on a true story. And as you're reading it, you realize about halfway through that a good portion of what you just read is completely fabricated. So it's it's typical norm where he's sharing stuff yeah. about himself that's, you know, really deep, but then you also question, is any of this actually true? And I just, you know, we opened this segment 
with a clip of him on one of those stand-up shows where you know young comics come up and they deliver five minutes, and he was one of the established judges in that show. Oh, and I saw it. You saw it, okay? And and we just played it. So it, it shocked me. He really went to the defense. This guy was blasting. You know, he was making Bible jokes, and it's like. Oh, how heroic. I'm unbelievable you could do that. You know, like, you're going to face no criticism for doing that in America. But Norm kind of took him to task and said, look, you know, that I don't consider what you did brave. You you actually compared the Bible to a book by J.K. Rowling who who based Harry Potter on Jesus and, and kind of, you know, really defended Christianity in doing so. The guy was just a conundrum, and he seemed like a very spiritual guy to me. Um, yes, I, I saw that clip. What happened was the guy made a joke, put, kind of putting the Bible down, and then Roseanne Barr said that the guy was brave. Yes. And then Norm said, I, I don't think he was brave, you know, and I, I just love that clip. But I also have this great uh, clip of him on Norm McDonald. Uh, Norm McDonald. I'm distracted right now. Um, of him on Larry King, where he says he's a Christian. Um, I've watched I watch so many videos of Norm, and sometimes he says he's into Judaism, and sometimes he just curses like a sailor. But it seems like okay. So I'm in his dressing room. We're getting ready to go on stage. I'm opening for him at some casino. And he's out of the blue. He says, so uh, why didn't we ever date? And um, I had to think fast because it came out of the blue. I'm like, because uh, you don't go to church. And then he said, oh, is that a deal breaker? And that was our conversation. And I've, I've always thought, I hope maybe I put a little seed in there, maybe a little in his brain. I don't know. I just. I want everyone to read the Bible. I think it's God's word. I think it has the answer to everything. And I, I want everyone to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And so, um, anyway, that was that conversation. Wow. Uh, I mean, we never dated because he never asked me out. That's the answer. But, (laughs) but I probably wouldn't. I probably would not have gone out with him if he didn't wasn't a believer. You know. So interesting. Interesting. yeah, go no, go ahead. Let me tell you. Yeah, what I what I admire about him so much is that he's a truth seeker. He relentlessly pursues the truth, whether it's government, politics, science, medicine, or religion. He seems to really think hard about all everything and not just follow the sheeple and say what he's supposed to say and be a liberal because that'll help his career. He doesn't follow the crowd and. I just love how he stood up for what he believed in, whether it was the O.J. jokes, the Michael Jackson joke, saying he read the Bible and he was a Christian, and he said on the Larry King show, it, I know it's not fashionable. And, and, and he was a conservative, I think, like uh, he was, but he never, he would kind of disguise it in his jokes, like he wouldn't come out and say it like I do, <laughs> but I think he was a conservative and so I admire that he sought the truth, and um, that's that's what I love the most about him. Besides, he was super funny and brilliant. And I'm watching all of. Did you know he had a Netflix show? I, I didn't, and that was pretty recent. So yeah, I think everybody's kind of fo- catching up with that now too. 
Yeah, it's so good. I love it. I'm watching them all binging. I'm almost done with the season one. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that too and, and just catch up. It's been so neat watching just some of the highlights of his career over the last week. I think you know everybody in America is kind of doing that together and just realizing, man, what an incredible guy. And like you said, he he did seem to <clears throat> excuse me, be somebody who always sought the truth and he always did it by he always say well i'm just an idiot and but he he really was seeking something deeper while always making fun of the fact that he was doing it it was just just a really interesting guy yeah. sad, sad to lose him but victoria really appreciate your time here on wiggins america our next guest interesting dude his name is jeremy murphy he's the former vice president of communications at cbs uh got a lot of questions for him but he's written this book called f off chloe and he didn't abbreviate it like I just did for the radio. Do we know who Chloe is? Chloe is the embodiment of every entitled 20-something who enters the media world and wants a trophy for coming to work. Raised to believe she's a superstar, Chloe wants the corner office on day one, a raise by the end of the week, and your job in a year. Self-centered, vain, indifferent to work, so over everything she quote-unquote can't even whenever the task is in front of her. In media, we are besieged with this creature. I would say even beyond in media, there is a Chloe in many different industries. Everywhere. They hide everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeremy Murphy is on the phone with his former vice president of communications at CBS. He is currently at 360 Bespoke, and he is the author of F off, F Chloe. Off, Chloe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so explain, Chloe, explain why you're writing this book. Well, okay, so we all deal with a Chloe. Chloe is someone very young who comes into the workforce and wants everything to uh, run around her. Uh, Very woke, has her list of demands, has her brand values, her expectations, and they are literally swarming the workplace. And I I was on an email chain, and I sent a very uh, long strategy, and someone named Chloe replied back and said, TLDR, LOL. I didn't know what that meant. I had to Google it. And it means too long, didn't read, and her name was Chloe. And I'm like, (laughs) I was so outraged. But then I said, you know, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. Um, So that's Chloe. We all all have to deal with it. So you want to do what? Get ahead of the Chloes and tell them to shut up? And and that's why the book exists? Um, I think it's more of a surviving, you know, because most of us in media, we want to get the hell out. Like, we don't want to stay. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed I to give away the secrets. Forget, forget LinkedIn. I want to link out, okay? Um, let, let Chloe have it. You know, just let me survive to the pension. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. So being the former vice president of communications at CBS, you know, I mean, that really stood out to me, Jeremy, because when I saw the title of the book and what it's about and you talking about woke culture and things, I thought, how in the world did you survive at CBS? Well, so the woke culture is new. So I, I left CBS six years ago. This woke culture is very new. I want to say it was 2016. I think a lot of it happened with Trump and a lot of people felt marginalized and unheard. And so a lot of people came together and, and it just kind of coalesced. And it grew from there. So it's new. Uh, I didn't see it at CBS. I'm seeing it a lot now. But um, it's definitely a new thing. Um, and it's not a good thing. Let's just put it that way. But it's definitely, I would say, the last four or five years, you know, Me Too, Black Lives, a lot of people feel empowered and 
feel like everything they say should be, you know, memorialized and that you, you should have a parade for every feeling that, that they have. And I think they're too, I think they're too, <laughs> they're too motivated. Just go to work. Is that, do you think, Jeremy, that's pronounced more in media environments where you do get a lot of people who they lead with their feelings and that's why they go on into media. Maybe they're writers or whatever. And they, they, they think, you know, this is the, this is the place where I'm going to shine. And then they get there and they realize, actually, it's a lot of work. This isn't what I expected it to be. You know, it's a lot. And, and I don't think it's limited to media. So if you look at the generation that's just coming into the workforce, look how they were raised. One, their parents liked them too much. Like my parents did not want to be my friend. They loved me. But we were not friends, right? Mm -hmm. Their parents want to be their children's friends, which is completely new. So these children already have inflated self-esteem. And then they grow up on social media where everything they say gets a like, a share, a follower, a comment. And so now they feel anything they say deserves an audience, right? So then they go into the workforce and they really think that's how it works. Well, no, it doesn't. Sorry. Go, Go make the coffee. Pay your dues. Well, Jeremy, so Jeremy Murphy on the phone, former vice president of communications at CBS. And he's with 360 Bespoke. He's also the author of F Off, Chloe. Well, so how do we fix that then? You know, what, what do we do? We, we've, are, we, are we over the, the waterfall now? How do we get back? No, you know what? The thing is, these people are coming into a business community. Like every, you know, work is business, right? These companies have to make the bottom line. And they're going to realize real fast that this does not help the bottom line. Wokeism does not pay the bills. And the minute the business community realizes, you know, there's no upside to this, it will end really quickly. Because when people don't have money, when they don't have a job, they're going to learn real fast that you can't be, you know, this self-entitled, everything is my way or the highway. You're going to have to, I don't know, go to work and pay your dues. So I think they're going to learn, especially this generation going into the workforce, they're going to learn very fast that you can't come in with your expectations and your, your values you have to conform to who you're working for, right? Change from within, but don't come in. You're not interviewing the company. The company is interviewing you. Are we at a watershed moment now where that is beginning to happen? Because it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't feel like people have learned that lesson yet. Although in other ways, you're starting to see, you know, just in terms of the electorate and polling that I looked at, you start to think, hey, maybe people are starting to see that. Well, I can tell you, I'm a Democrat in New York City. And this is what we all talk about offline. Everybody mm. is sick of the wokeism. We're so sick of this. We're so sick of cancellation culture. We really feel like people are being gagged. They're, they're, they're being muzzled. They're being, um, people can't say what they feel. Everybody's walking on eggshells because, oh, my God, I might say something like that might offend you. I might, you know, I might uh, cite the patriarchy and, and, and appropriate your culture with something. Like, everybody is so on edge. And so privately, everybody is sick of this. So I do think the pendulum is swinging because it has gone way too far. And it's not even like, you know, you look at Chappelle and all this stuff in the headlines. This is kitchen table stuff. I know people who got canceled at work because they made a saucy comment. I know someone who did something at an office party and lost their job. This was never that. This is now, this is kitchen table. It's hitting home right now. And I think that's what people are really upset about. Jeremy, it's interesting that you say, you know, you're a New York Democrat and you probably have been for a while. I I, I imagine you're not newly to the Democrat Party, but uh, I'm obviously not. I'm on the other side of the aisle. Is this something that within 
the sort of the Democrat, like you said, kitchen table conversations, the barroom conversations, the Democrats are looking inwardly and saying, man, we caused this. Or is it more like, no, this is this is something else outside of our party that caused this. No, this is outside the party. The problem is the Democratic Party embraced it. So this came from academia. It came from progressive groups. It came from political action. It came from uh, coalitions. It came from, you know, move on and media matters and all these groups, whether you're right or left. And what they do is they seize on something in the news, whether it's a shooting, whether it's a, a tragedy or something, and they come in and they grab the spotlight and they try to push their point of view and cancel people. This is not one party or the other. The problem is my party embraced it. And that was a huge mistake. And that's probably what's going to cost Biden the next election, because he's got to get out from this. He's got to move away from it because so many people are getting hurt. Ooh, yeah, interesting stuff. So Jeremy Murphy on the phone with us, former vice president of communications at CBS, author of F Off Chloe. Before we run out of time with you, I just wanted to ask you about the current media environment. You know, yeah. can you speak to anything going on, say, at a CNN? So many people being, I, I'm not going to say canceled there. I'm going to say fired for legitimate reasons. Yeah. Well, CNN is, is, is funny because everybody's trying to read into it of like some trend no jeff zucker resigned because there's something bigger about to drop so you know uh chris cuomo uh, got fired for you know helping his brother whatever whatever he did and he sued cnn and zucker got caught in the crossfires and you know when, when there's a legal suit there's something called discovery and the lawyers get everything and they found some stuff and that's why he left. We, we, we don't know it yet, but I'm telling you, someone that high does not resign for a consensual, a, a consensual affair with another adult. It doesn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's something more there. And that's why he resigned. This is not about ratings or trends or politics. No, this is a legal thing. Yeah, well, he, you would know. He'd, he would know, Jeremy Murphy, because he's been there, <laughs> former vice president of communications at CBS, author of F Off Chloe. Where can people go get your book right now? It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Just Google it, F Off Chloe. Uh, it's even at Target. Um, I'm sure they'll get protested. Um, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Great. As long as you have an asterisk somewhere in the in the yeah. F word, you'll be okay, right? I can't get on the Today Show, but I'm at Target. <laughs> okay. All right. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Hey, I mentioned this already. I hope you liked the show because this is some of the best material that I've got. If you hated it, then, man, this show sucks. You should not listen to the show again. Um but this is Wiggins America. Bit of a year in review. We just heard from the vo- former vice president of communications at CBS. I thought that was a great interview. Wanted to replay that as we do a bit of a year in review. And a bit of a show review because what I'm going to tell you right now, I told you in the very first segment, but I think it bears repeating. Because I think this is such an important milestone that we've crossed here that I'm reading this, this article that is clearly celebrating something that we all should celebrate. Um, It says the National Trans Bar Association. So there is a bar association for lawyers. Then there is a separate bar association for people who want to dress in the opposite gender's clothing. Uh, We'll step to the podium at the U.S. Supreme Court today. This was Wednesday. And move the admission of a group of 10 attorneys to the group of those admitted to practice before the Supreme Court. These 10 will be the first ever openly transgender attorneys ever admitted to practice before the nation's highest court. Now, what you are supposed to do is cheer for that. 
we are all cheering for that. We're cheering that an article was written to celebrate. We're cheering that there is a national trans bar association for people who not only want to practice law, but want to dress in the opposite gender's clothing. And maybe, and here's where I really want to draw the line and the distinction. We can celebrate that. I mean, yeah, 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 right? We're all celebrating that. But what we would really celebrate is if they decided to lop off or, or alter their genitals. Now, if you want to practice law and alter your genitals, man, that is worth celebrating. And I think that we just need to focus on these issues more. As a society, these are the things that we should be talking about more and heralding because it's so darn courageous. I wish I had. <laughs> I, uh, I should stop there. But I'm not going to. This that's an article that I I follow some people on Twitter who deliberately are, are not of the same political persuasion as I am, just to see what they push as important. And there there is a woman who wrote a book called The Addiction Inoculation, um, who I I actually respect some of her work, and so I followed her. Um but I, I just, when I see these things, I think, I think, am, have I gone crazy? Like, is the whole world the version of the Beatles that's inside the Yellow Submarine now? Because to me, it used to be that you could distinguish between the the version that was the real life and then the crazy acid trip. Anymore, when I see these things, I say, Am I on the acid trip or is this real life? And I really don't know the answer to that question. But I invite you, if you are maybe in that boat where you're trying to distinguish between the acid trip and the regular, the real life version, to continue to gather together as we do so that we can maintain some sort of rudder on the ship so that we know that we're at least going in the right direction and maybe while the seas are, are swirling, at least we kind of we gotta do north. We, we're all going due north, and we actually have some direction here. I think it helps with our sanity. Merry Christmas! We are now into December. Thank you for being a part of Wiggins America this year. Maybe it's even your first time. Appreciate that. You can get the podcast by typing in Wiggins America, or you can rewind on the Odyssey app. Either of which are fine with me. Hey, or you can just you know tune in live. I enjoy that too. Either way, you can contact me through those means at Radio Wiggins on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and message me there. Love hearing from you. Appreciate you. See you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.